Hello and welcome to a CHI podcast for the upcoming Inherited Disease Diagnostics Conference being held this August 19th through 20th in Washington, D.C. as part of the Next Generation Diagnostics Summit. My name is Samantha Lewis and I'm the conference producer working on the meeting. Today I'm speaking with Dr. Bruce Korf, the Wayne H. and Sarah Cruz Finley Professor of Medical Genetics, Chair of the Department of Genetics, and Director of the Heflin Center for Genomic Sciences at the University of Alabama at Birmingham. Dr. Korf is the past president of the Association of Professors of Human Human and Medical Genetics and of the American College of Medical Genetics and Genomics, and is currently the president of the ACMG Foundation for Genetic and Genomic Medicine. Welcome, Dr. Korf, and thank you for taking the time to talk to us today. Thank you. So your talk this August discusses some of the educational challenges in genomic medicine implementation. What would you say are your top three or so challenges in that area? Well, physicians who are practicing now are facing a major sea change in the practice of medicine at many, many different levels. But with regard to genomic medicine, I would say there are three major things that we need to face. The first is that they come to the table now with very widely varying experience in genetics and genomics, most trained long before we had a human genome sequence and therefore are unfamiliar with the vocabulary and with the applications. Some who have trained more recently may be more aware, but this is such a rapidly changing field that it's still unlikely that they're ready to implement genomics into their daily practice. So the first challenge is simply getting physicians up to speed and helping them to gain competency at using genomics in their practice. I think the second challenge is that we need to build a workforce in genomic medicine the practicing physician is going to need to be backed up by medical geneticists and genetic counselors who can help them to deal with the day-to-day opportunities in genomic medicine, and there's a significant challenge facing us in terms of building that workforce. I'd say the third priority is that a lot of the education that will take place is not just in the form of providing courses or other kinds of, say, written materials, but also by embedding information about genomics into the electronic health record so that we have point-of-care access to information. And we're a long way, I think, from having the information systems in place to make that really work well. And you started to touch upon this a little bit, but what would you say are the specific education needs of the physicians? We have to focus on the competencies that a physician should have to include genomics in their practice. So it's not enough to say they should know this or that, that they should know about the indications for genetic testing, or they should be able to understand the concept of a benign variant versus a pathological mutation. We need to get beyond that into the specifics of what do you actually expect them to do and what kinds of skills do they need to carry that out. There actually has been an effort to define a framework for these competencies. I've been involved in a NHGRI initiative, the Inter-Society Coordinating Committee, which brings together professional societies representing a broad swath of medicine. And we've put together exactly this, a framework for competencies in things like family history, genetic testing, therapeutic decision-making, and somatic genetics like cancer, several others. And the idea here is to help these different groups to become aware of what are the competencies needed. Once that's been recognized, of course, the real challenge is helping to instill those competencies. And really, I think that requires a 
multi-pronged approach that begins at the earliest points of training, which I would take to be actually undergraduate and medical school training. So we need to bring students into medical school with more experience in the fundamentals of genetics. When in medical school, it needs to be embedded in their curriculum. And then when they complete medical school into residency, there's opportunities to include genetics and genomics milestones in their training. Then in practicing physicians, maintenance of certification is a major opportunity to embed genetics and genomics and, of course, CME opportunities as well. So it sounds like you've already given a lot of thought to, you know, the best route to begin training physicians at all stages. But what do you think the framework for that would look like, especially for the people who have been practicing for years already? And what do you think some of the challenges are going to be in getting them to those trainings? Well, the hard challenge, I think, is that there is a significant learning curve. And you would take the position that physicians should be prepared for what's to come, so they shouldn't be surprised by it or unprepared for it. On the other hand, it's not easy to get people to take courses on things for which they actually are not going to take an action right away. So to say to them that in the next couple of years, your practice is going to change dramatically and you're going to need to be able to deal with genomics is a little bit of a hard sell when you can't argue to them that it's going to be important to them tomorrow. You know, they tend to be much more motivated to fill gaps that they can see in their knowledge than to fill gaps that others tell them they should be seeing. So I think that's a significant challenge. Now, I will say most physicians I've talked to are pretty well aware of the fact that something important is going on, and they do definitely feel unprepared for it. So I don't think there's a lack of interest, but you still do have an uphill battle convincing them that this is something they're going to use now. Now, of course, it depends on whom you're talking to. I don't think pediatricians, for example, fail to recognize that there are some new things for example, in genomic testing, that today will change their practice. And I think oncologists have recognized this. Neurologists see it, because these are areas that have already been affected by genomic medicine. But outside of that, into, say, primary care, for example, and family medicine, and maybe other areas where genomics is not quite in the mainstream, I think are probably going to be a little bit slower to come on board just because they don't see it around them. and Nothing like feeling inadequate because you don't know quite what to do next to motivate you to actually learn it. And that's going to come in all areas over time, but it's going to probably happen sooner in some than others. And do you think the patients will play a role in that, especially in the standard practices, now that more patients are becoming educated on things like their own genome and taking more control of their health care? Yes, I think increasingly there's public awareness about possibilities in genomics. Almost any day, if you look in major newspapers, you'll see some kind of science article that talks about genomic or genetic testing that may be relevant to a particular condition. And indeed, physicians, I think, are commonly talking to patients who ask them about things they've read or heard about that the physician may not be entirely familiar with. So there is definitely a possibility of being led by the patients as much as the physicians to educating on a kind of broad scale. So I also think that patients will increasingly become more engaged in their healthcare in general, and genomics has a legitimate role to play in that movement. So between those two things, I do expect that we're going to see increasingly a partnership between physicians and their patients in terms of recognizing new opportunities to predict 
risk of disease or make a better diagnosis or even institute a more effective treatment. Now, after all of this is implemented in the future, how do you see genomics being used in the clinic, especially in areas that have less obvious applications? There's obviously clear uses in oncology and inherited diseases, but how do you see it being used elsewhere? Well, it's very much going to need to be customized to the particular area of practice. So in a broad sense, I think you can imagine many different levels. I I do think that family history has relevance in terms of recognizing risk. This would be important for primary care providers who, for example, should be asking questions about risk of cancer, just for example, because there are both tests and interventions that can be offered if there's a family history of cancer. So I think that will change. I think if you're faced with a diagnostic dilemma, increasingly the ability to do genetic and genomic testing, up to and including sequencing of a genome, will be a very feasible and affordable and available approach to attempting to answer that question. So this is an area where diagnostics are going to be dramatically altered. And that's already been, I think, a pretty significant force in pediatrics for rare disease. I think pharmacogenetics will be increasingly mainstream. And here, I don't think that physicians are going to consciously either order pharmacogenetic testing or directly interpret it, my bet is that it's going to be embedded in the background in electronic prescribing systems where if they want to put somebody on a medication for which there's an important pharmacogenetic test that would change dosage, let's say, or change choice of medicine, that there'll be a kind of internal prompt either to do the test or it'll just draw on information already in the system and make a recommendation regarding either the dosage or the choice of medication. So not sure how much of this is what physicians have to know and how much of it's just going to happen behind the scenes, but physicians at least ought to realize that this is occurring. It's possible that we'll have some degree of risk assessment and predictive medicine for common disease. I'm not certain to what extent that's going to become mainstream because it looks like the contributors to common disease are pretty complex and it's not been that easy to dissect out, in most cases, risk factors that have a very powerful predictive value, but over time this may evolve. But I do think we're going to probably see genomics at least being used in differential diagnosis. So somebody who has a symptom and you want to know of all the many things it could be, which one is it? Genomic testing may help push the differential diagnosis in one direction or another. So I think a lot of these things will gradually be used, some sooner than others, in cardiovascular medicine, cancer, neurology. Differential diagnosis is already substantially informed by genomic testing, and I think that kind of paradigm is likely to become more and more widespread. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Kaur, for taking the time to speak with us today. Okay, thank you. And once again, this has been a CHI podcast with Dr. Bruce Korf of the University of Alabama at Birmingham. You can hear more from Dr. Korf as well as other leading genetics researchers this August in Washington, D.C. For more information and to register, you can visit nextgenerationdx.com.